Hello, my name is Donna Brendel, and this is the first of my video podcast series, I should say that out loud. Previously, I had done an audio podcast, which is so much easier than all of this video stuff, let me tell you. But I'm sorry for my voice as well because I'm sick, but I couldn't uh, miss this chance to to do this while I'm here at home getting better. <laughs> I was diagnosed with autism in my mid-adulthood just four years ago, and I've learned so much about myself during that time that I want to help other people who receive a later-in-life diagnosis of autism, as well as parents who are raising autistic children. Autism affects every person differently, no matter where they fit on this spectrum, and that is no ex exception for me. In this first video, I want to share, in particular, about one of the most favorite activities of my childhood and my adult, my, my adult childhood, <laughs> my adult life, which is water skiing. I have been reading this book, this wonderful book. I have been buried under years of dust by Valerie Gilpier and Emily Grobin. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Forgive me if I'm not. But I want to read a section from this book. I need my glasses to do this. That really taught me how much water skiing has helped me with my autism before I even knew that I had it. So this is from pages 68 through 69. And this is um, Valerie, the mom writing this portion of it. They both wrote the book together, but this is her portion. The most significant contribution to Emily's development came from a specialized gymnastics program, Big Fun, that Emily attended from 7 until about 12. Jean Herwin, an occupational therapist who developed the program, wanted to address the gross and fine motor issues of autistic children through gymnastics, and particularly their neurotiming. The synchronization of neural impulses within key brain networks for cognitive, communicative, sensory, and motor performance. His approach included work on the balance beam, tumbling, climbing apparatus, and trampoline to help children synchronize their bodies and minimize those aspects of their movements that were off by just a second or two from their neurotypical peers. An awkward gait, say, or arms that did not swing when walking, Though the program also focused on sensory integration, an effort to integrate the sensory sensitivity of the autistic child with environmental noises. That's the end of the section that I want to read. But what resonated with me so much was that I believe water skiing is what did, for me, what gymnastics did for Emily in helping her with her, her timing, her neurotiming between her brain and her body and also that sensory integration. When you're water skiing, there's so many noises. There's the wind, there's the motor, the, the boat motor, and all of the other boats around, all the people in the boat, the people passing by. Water skiing is um, a full body experience. So your whole body is engaged in getting you up and out of the water and then staying up above the water on the skis. And it, it uses big muscle groups as well as small mu muscle groups for balancing and for cutting in and out of the, the wake. And I just can't help but imagine and know now how much water skiing has done for me in my 
neurodivergent brain and body. I, I knew that I was a different kind of kid since I was very young, but I just couldn't put my finger on what it was. I could never explain it to anyone, and if I tried, it didn't go well, so I stopped trying eventually. And my dad and my dad taught my sister and me both how to water ski when we were 11 years old. So we were very young, and we were in that same time frame that Emily was when she went through that gymnastics program. And ever since he taught us to ski, we skied pretty much daily, all summer long, throughout our entire adolescence, teenage years, and into our adulthood. And uh, we joined also a water ski team, a show ski team called the Aquanuts in Wisconsin when we were 14. And that took my water skiing to another level, to more advanced tricks, but also learning how to perform in front of a crowd and dance, <laughs> skit, do skits, and wear costumes and makeup. And after reading this excerpt from Valerie and Emily's book, I just haven't stopped thinking about it. It was not only the happiest part of my childhood, it became one of the happiest parts of my adulthood, too. I continued to water ski with that show team well into my adulthood, even uh, before and after I had my children. And it really helped me form a foundation of fitness. I would work out all throughout the off-season in the wintertime so that in the summer, when I would be holding pyramids and holding girls up above me, I would be strong enough to not not drop them. That was my in, uh, my motivation throughout the winter to do all my squats and exercises at home and at the gym. And that foundation for fitness has carried with me all through my life. And it's also now one of my autistic special interests as well as water skiing. And learning how to perform in front of an audience is helping me to develop this podcast before when it was just audio and even more now that it's uh, video and learning how to put makeup on and wear costumes. Speaking of costumes, guess what? I have a costume left from my water ski days. Actually, I never wore this in the show. I bought it for uh, a pageant I was in, <laughs> involved in, but this is my very own costume that I bought from another show skier that was actually used in a show once or twice because it looks like it's brand new. But I want to show you my costume. How fun is that, huh? <laughs> show skiing. Woohoo! <laughs> show skiing also taught me how to work hard as a team member and not just work hard for myself. Um, I had to work with other people within specific acts, like the pyramid that I explained to make it build up and make it come down successfully and come back into the crowd. But I also had to work behind the scenes to make the show happen, setting up the ropes, setting up the skis, cleaning up the show site, putting things away afterwards. All of that stuff needs to happen in order for the show to happen. But the key thing is, it was a way for me to mask my social awkwardness. I really loved the, the show skiing, the water skiing part of, of show skiing. But I struggled with the social aspect of being on the team. If I stopped moving and stopped doing all the busy work of show skiing, then I would have to talk to people. And it was really awkward for me. So instead of doing that, I kept busy. I just found any work that needed to be done, and I would do it. 
whether it was at the, the show site or in the off season, making the newsletter, um, being on the board, preparing the, the show for the junior team as a junior show director. I just found ways to never not be busy because that's when I got really awkward. <laughs> I've grown in this now. I can do better at it, but I still struggle. Even this this past summer, I was part of the alumni show, and I kept busy that then as well. I would I brought my juggling clubs. I was a clown, <laughs> but I brought my juggling clubs and would practice those during the ski practice acts that I was involved in, so that I could keep busy on the sidelines. And nobody really knew that that's why I was practicing my juggling so hard, <laughs> so I wouldn't have to be social. But that um, that's part of it. I wanted to juggle well for the show, too, of course, but it just helped with my social aspect. And now, if I'm talking to somebody and I'm struggling with the social stuff, I've learned to just move my body. I'll rock back and forth between my feet, or I'll stand up on my tiptoes, or I'll look at the colors in the room or in, the, in nature in front of us, or I'll even look at the colors that the person is wearing and say them over in my head over and over again to keep myself from getting bored and sleepy and uh, distracted and unable to stay engaged in the conversation. Now, usually nobody knows that I'm doing this until now that I'm telling you, um, but I used to fall asleep in social situations all the time. I'd get really bored and I would find a quiet corner to go and just take a nap, or if I was driving in the car with my sister and a friend, they would always be in the front seat, and I was—I would always be in the back seat, and I would fall asleep every single time we went somewhere, whether it was 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour drive. And I might wake up now and then, and I'd ask them in the front seat, what did I miss? What, what are you guys talking about? And they would get so frustrated with me falling asleep all the time. They would say, it's too much to go over again. Just go back to sleep. And I would. I just would go back to sleep, and without arguing, I didn't really care to listen anyway, because I would just that would put me to sleep is listening to the conversation. These are all stims that I've learned to keep me calm and engaged and not retreat from a social situation. So they're very beneficial for me. Well, I hope something that I've shared with you has re resonated with you today and been helpful. Please subscribe to my channel and find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'll provide the links for you to make it easy. And if you would click the Learn More button on my Instagram page and provide me with your email, that would help me to grow my email list so that I can get my first memoir published. That's another big project that I'm working on right now. So thank you so much for listening and watching. Please share with your friends. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.